Hey guys, and welcome back to the Feenstra Zoo. My name is Spencer Feenstra, the host and creator of the zoo. I'm here just to talk to you about things that are on my mind and on my heart. I hope you'll enjoy the show. If you do, please check us out on all social medias at The Feenstra Zoo. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, I just want to take a minute here to talk about Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is, it is where I actually make my podcast. It is the easiest way to get started in podcasting. They've made everything super simple. They have recording software right on their app or online as well. They distribute your podcast for you. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere almost anywhere that you can listen to a podcast. These guys have spread my name out there for me. They made it super simple. You can record right to the app or online. You guys, if, you, if you're even remotely interested in starting a podcast, this is the way to go. Okay, go to anchor.fm. So that's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. And you can get started. Here's the cool thing. You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. You don't have to have your name out there with 100,000 people before you can start making money. They've actually sponsored me to put the spot in here. And guess what? I'm making a couple bucks. It's turning this from a hobby into a potential career for me. So if you care to, if you're interested at all, Go to anchor.fm or download the Anchor app to get started. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Feenstra Zoo. Today is going to be slightly ironic. It's a podcast talking about the fear or concern rather about the overuse or addiction to technology. But before we jump into that, let's just do a little housekeeping here. If you guys could do me a favor... If you're enjoying the show, just tell two friends about it or share the zoo on any social media platform and tag me in it. I would love some help getting the podcast out to a few more people and I would appreciate the help so much. Also, just a family update. In the past month, the tooth fairy has visited my children for the first time. And I have to tell you this story. So, Tinsley and Hadley visited the dentist uh, not too long ago. And Tin found out that she had a loose tooth. So, what does any child do? She started wiggling it and playing with it and got so excited. She was playing with her tooth consistently for about a week. And I could see that it was so close to coming out. So, I asked her if I could help her take it out. I told her I had a really fun way to do it, and I would love to help her. Reluctantly, she said, sure. So I told her to go get a Nerf gun and some dental floss. <laughs> I tied one end of the dental floss to her tooth and the other end to the Nerf dart. 
I started counting down. Three, two, one. Pop! I shot the gun and Tinny's face was terrified because her, her tooth didn't come out. It was so close. It was pointing straight forward and flopping around like with her breathing. It was wiggling. It was so, so close to coming out. So I asked, and she actually let me try again. So I retied the floss, retied the nerf dart. Three, two, pop! I didn't wait for one this time. But as soon as we heard that pop, there was a clicking noise coming from the other end of the room. We did it! <laughs> All I could think of is, wow, I didn't think that was going to work. And that the nerf slogan was right back in the day. It's nerf or nothing. <laughs> the best way I could have taken out that tooth. It was so much fun and I can't believe that had, or that Tinsley let me do it. It was fantastic. Also, a question for you parents out there. How generous is your tooth fairy? Ours left Tinsley about four bucks for her first tooth and I was wondering if we should send in an appeal for the next one. Moving on here. By the time this goes live, Shalane and I will have celebrated our seventh year of marriage together. July 11th, we hit this milestone, and we took Daphne, my 2009 Yamaha V-Star motorbike, for a trip down to Victoria here on the island. I got to take Shalane to one of her favorite restaurants in the world, um, Japanese Village. If you ever get the chance, you need to go. As I'm writing this, this is still something that Shalane and I are looking forward to. But as you're hearing this, it will be a delightful memory for us. Isn't the magic of podcasting fun? Shalane, thank you so much for amazing seven years together. I love you, babe. Okay, after edit, we had such an amazing time down there. We walked over a half marathon in the day and a half we were there, not even, Seriously, most of what we did was just walk around the downtown core of Victoria. We barely did any shopping. We basically just walked around and ate food. It was phenomenal. Guys, it's such a fun weekend. Such a great time with Shalane. No kids, just some recharge time. The best gift we could have given each other. Alright, thanks for joining me here. Thank you for waiting around. Now time for the good stuff. Grab your coffee, it's time to go for a ride. The year is 2007, and we didn't understand it. We didn't understand just how much this year was going to change the course of human history. I believe the history books will remark that this year will be regarded as the silent revolution on our soul, or the downfall of true freedom. Two men and their teams changed the world this year. Steve Jobs from Apple and Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook. Steve and Apple released the first iPhone into the wild, and Mark and his team made Facebook publicly accessible for the world. At this point, you had complete access to the entire world in your pocket. And conversely, the world had complete access to you. Now, 
Come back to the present day. We are on what? The 12th generation of iPhone. And at this point, this little box is basically a super spy AI connected to infinity, all tasked with stealing your information and your attention. And Facebook? They're everywhere. They literally own all the other platforms dominating your scrolling time. And don't be fooled, guys. You are no longer the customer. Yes, you make the purchases, and you pay to keep these boxes working every month. However, you are not the customer. You are the product being sold. This is your phone, and you pay for them, but they work for someone else. Every app on this phone is collecting your data. And my topic for today, your attention and time. Don't think of these as resources that you need to budget. Let me tell you, you do. Think about this for a second. When's the last time you left your phone at home? On purpose. Don't like that answer? Try this question, taking a little bit further. When did you last leave your phone in a different room on purpose? The truth is, these little infinity boxes, they're addicting. And what makes it worse is that's by design. And I mean this quite literally. They are addictive. Oxford defines addiction as this. A physical and mental dependency to a particular substance or item and unable to stop using it without incurring adverse effects. By the real definition, I can say that everyone I know, myself included, is to some aspect addicted to their phone. This little device, they're set, these devices, they're set up and designed to give you a small dopamine rush. This is the same chemical that is released when you kiss your significant other. And this is what causes you to want to pick up your phone more and more in hopes to find a rush. However diminishing, a rush to pick up your phone. And it diminishes the more you do it, meaning you're going to do it more and more and look for bigger and better things more frequently in hopes to keep this rush of pseudo-happiness flowing. So go for it. Pick up your phone for the thousandth time today. Actually, you know what? Apple released some of their analytics this year, and the average iPhone user picked up their phone about 270 times per day in the year 2020. Per day, 270 times. I read this, and I'm like, are you kidding me? That's insane. I work 40 to 60 hours a week, depending on the time of year. And I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a podcaster. I can't be close to those numbers, right? So, I learned how to check those numbers on my phone. Turns out, I'm painfully close to being an average iPhone user. I pick up my phone roughly a hundred times per day, Is what the, in the last month is what my phone told me. What? How is that possible? So here's my question for you. How many times have you touched your wife, your husband, your children, 
or even your pets today. Now tell me you're not addicted to that little infinity box. Can I simplify my observation for you? Technology kills intimacy. Full stop. Let's start this in the easiest and most direct state I can define it. Time on your screen pulls you away from your significant other. In the most literal sense, saying yes to one thing means you're saying no to many other things. Saying yes to scrolling Instagram means saying no to playing cards with my spouse. And multitasking is a myth. It's not a thing. It's a physical impossibility. It's just doing many things poorly and with half your attention at best. Your brain literally cannot do more than one thing at a time. We all only have so much attention to give. Scrolling, talking, texting, while spending time with my wife, far exceeds my mental ability. And who knows, maybe you're better at this than I am. But even if you are, I'm willing to bet it isn't by much. Almost every morning, Shalane and I get to share some time and a cup of coffee together. But most days, I have to leave for work. Do you think either of us appreciates it if the other person is running around, getting things ready for the day, or scrolling on social media, just throwing in the occasional, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah, in the conversation? No. We have maybe an hour or so usually before I have to leave in the morning. So stop dividing your attention. Your brain literally can't focus on more than one thing at a time. When you're spending time with your spouse, give them your full attention. They deserve it. And stop spending time with your side chick, Siri. It's disrespectful. Next, I've said it on here before, but I gotta say it again. Almost anything you find online is an unrealistic version of real life. It's a primped and proper touched up and curated representation of life, usually of the one percenters of life. That's already an unrealistic version of life, and then it's photoshopped on top of that. So it's not real life for 99.9% .9 of us, because it's a photoshopped version of a 1%. It's not even attainable for that 1%. The images and the stories we see, they create an expectation of life or the opposite sex that simply can't be met. With having these expectations of life and love, or what social media calls love anyway, we often push or place these expectations on our partners. Expectations of image of life, body image, physique, time and availability, or sexual drive, just to name a few. Here's a line for you to chew on for a minute. Conflict in a relationship is often caused by unmet expectations. Let me break this down. Consider this hypothetical situation. Shalane and I have an evening off. Alright, it's already unrealistic, but bear with me for a minute. We have an evening off. Now, Shalane expected to have a date night or go to dinner and a show. But 
she didn't tell me that's what she wanted. And all I wanted to do with my night off was to spend some time at my desk, maybe working, maybe playing some on my computer. But now we're fighting, and I have no idea why. Shalane expects us to have a date night and didn't get one. I expected to do some work and get a few, some free time in, and likely didn't get that either, because now we're having heated fellowship. Do you kind of get the picture I'm trying to make here? It's a super surface example, hyper simple, but I wanted it to be, so we can break down this concept even more. Conflict will arise anytime there's a deficit or gap between expectations and reality. That being said, whenever you bring social media or internet-based expectations into a relationship, or your life in general, there will always, I repeat, always, there's going to be a gap between expectations and reality. My hope is that raising awareness on this issue will spark the heartfelt conversation and needed communication to battle and close this gap between your expectations. And that is truly the only way to beat this, is to, com to communicate. To talk about it and sometimes blatantly lay out your expectations. Shalane and I are frequently asking each other, Hey babe, what are your expectations for this evening? Simply to ensure we're on the same page. Usually, it's something along the lines of, I actually don't have expectations for this evening. How about you? So, we... How do we lessen the effects of this addiction, or at least create a defense against this infinity box of doom? Okay, maybe infinity box of doom is a little dramatic, but it's clearly a problem here. First thing Shalane and I did was to create a no phone zone in our bedroom. Our bedroom is off limits to our phones. The second one is our rule of no phones on us after 9pm. We achieved both of these things by creating one thing, a cell phone charging station, where our phones, watches, and AirPods charge every night, and holding each other accountable to that. Let me break this down a little bit in hopes to encourage you to do the same. It gets our phones out of our bed specifically. We want our spouse to be the first and last thing we see every day. It removes that intimacy off of our phones. It gives us a place to put our phones to bed at 9pm, allowing us to parent or to govern our phones. You see, phones interfere with our sleep cycles. A study from a European health website stated that removing your phone from your bedroom and charging it away from you will immediately improve not just your sleep quality, but sleep duration as well. Another way you can do this if you need a little added encouragement, you can actually go into your phone settings and set daily timers for apps so it'll limit you to a certain number of like hour per day. A second is you can actually put a nighttime shutoff for specific apps if you have specific ones or all apps if that's the issue. This is great accountability or even a reminder to parent our phones and to hold ourselves accountable accountable for a better life and a better version of, of ourselves, a version with awareness to a problem and dependency on technology. Now, doesn't that sound worth it? Do you want longer sleep, better intimacy with your spouse, 
and more intimacy with your spouse? Phone charging station outside of your bedroom with a bedtime for them. Done. But let me go Billy Mays on you for a second. But wait, there's more! So, experts say that adults should only spend about two hours a day on screen time outside of work. That's TV and phone. Now, I was excited last week. My phone told me that I was down to about four hours a day. Oops. A 2020 study showed that 30% of adults in the USA were connected to their phones for 20 plus hours per day. And over 50% of people were on their phones over 11 hours a day. That's insane. A different study out of San Diego State University last year showed a direct link between time spent in front of a screen and heightened levels of depression and anxiety. Not just correlation, but causation. As in, the more time you spend on your phone, the higher the likelihood of anxiety and depression in your life. Do you still not think that tech is a problem? John Ortberg put a quote out there that's just perfect, saying, We are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. And I would even take it a step further and say it's not just spiritual oblivion, but we're distracting ourselves into complete oblivion. Because even if we take spirit and emotion out of the equation, direct health studies have shown that our phones are causing us to have insomnia, poor sleep quality, causing eye strain and headaches, neck and shoulder pain along with bad posture, reducing our physical activity levels, creating changes in cognition in adults, meaning our response time is way down and giving us poor decision-making abilities. This is just the tip of the iceberg, and all of this has been mentioned in peer-reviewed medical journals. By reducing the amount of time we spend on our phones, we could radically improve the quality of your life. Let's just put this into a big box for a second. Okay. If I was to take my roughly four hours a day I spend doing nothing on my phone and putting that into something better like reading or time with Shalane or my children, I could give um, give my family or give reading or whatever over 1,400 more hours in a single year. Now, playing the law of averages with the average reading speed of a of Canadian and average book size, you know, that's roughly 160 more books per year. Or a whole lot of memories with my family. Both far more worth it than four hours of watching reels on Instagram or a handful of YouTube videos. Now, up until this point, you may be thinking that, wow, Spencer, you're really making me think that technology is evil and or... Why on earth do you even have a phone if it's so evil? But the truth is, I actually really enjoy my tech. In fact, to a certain point, I actually think it necessary for us to have in our lives. It is an incredibly handy tool when used properly. The whole point of this is to make you think 
and to make you correct whatever you feel is needed or necessary in your life. In other words, let me put it this way. Do you serve your tech? Or does it serve you? See, I actually have nothing against phones. I just want to make sure that in my home, they stay in check. I want to stay attentive to my children and to my wife. I don't want to miss out on my children growing up because I'm trying to get a video to be liked on Facebook or Instagram or to beat the next level in a game. And I do enjoy scrolling Instagram from time to time. See, I have nieces and nephews all over the continent, brothers and sisters from Florida to here in Nanaimo to Calgary to Washington. I've got family all over the place. And I want to stay up to date with them. I want to watch my family grow. And honestly, I have employees that need to reach me at times. I just don't want my phone to rule over my life, and I definitely don't want people to have access to my whole life. So no, I don't think that phones are evil. I just think we need to use them properly. Let me put this slightly differently. Yes, I have about four hours a day on my phone. And yes, it might be a little much, and I could definitely use some of that time elsewhere. But some of that four hours spent connecting with my family, talking to my friends, building proper relationship and proper community, because, hey, you've heard it said before, it takes a village to raise a family. So let me relate this all back to one single point. Do you serve your tech? Or does it serve you? Alright guys, so that's it for today. I just want to leave you with one final note here. I don't want you guys to feel like this box in your pocket is evil. I just want you guys to be aware that there is a problem out there. And the best way to fix a problem is to know about it. So I'll leave you with that. And from myself here at the zoo... I'm Spencer Feenstra. I love you, and God bless.